0: Time I was 14, um, you know, I was working before and after school myself to to try and pay for, for for my motorbike riding and and my sailing, and it was it was tough. It sort of got to the point where I had to, to really you know pick and choose either either sailing or motocross you know competitively because I, I couldn't do both. A little bit of encouragement from from mum and dad, you know, thinking that I'd probably live a bit longer if I chose sailing. <laughs> um you know sailing sailing sort of one won out in the end <laughs> well we're, we're either going to look bloody stupid or or really clever there was there was sort of <laughs> going to be no no middle ground because if, if if you were unsuccessful you, you you'd, you'd have the shit bagged out of you uh but if you were successful you were going to be absolute legends uh, we haven't practiced uh, capsizing, but we have capsized in practice, <laughs> I guess. Um, yeah, look, it's a, it's, a, it's a real possibility. and you know we, we have rolled the big boat over. The boats are able to capsize.
1: Hi everyone, and welcome to episode five of Broadreach Radio, the Yachting New Zealand podcast. I'm Michael Brown, and I'm really excited to bring you today's show, which features an in-depth interview with Glenn Ashby from Emirates Team New Zealand. I talked to him about the famous win in Bermuda in 2017, but also how things are shaping up in the present campaign and what it's like to sail the AC75. But we also delve back into Glenn's background his love of motorbikes winning the first of his 17 world titles on his first overseas trip as a green 18 year old the impact of missing out on winning gold at the Beijing Olympics and what it was like for the boy from Bendigo to get immersed in the big business world of the Americas Cup and of course i ask him his worst wipeout ever and it's one that sounds pretty painful i received a bit of mail this week from one of our listeners peter susalu who shares his worst wipeout ever This is a section of the show you can be involved in, where you can tell us your worst wipeout. It can be a spectacular one, costly one, or just plain embarrassing. not quite sure where Peters fits in, but he writes, It was day one of the 2018 Wasp Nationals, and we sailed the first two races in marginal and non-foiling conditions. The wind picked up to just over 20 knots, and with wind against tide, it creates a decent shop at Wakateri. Before the start, going through a jibe, I stuffed the bow in, only to go headfirst into the base of the mast. It was a good thing there were a few cleats and blocks to cushion the blow. I got onto the daggerboard and realised my white rashie was slowly turning red. It must mean there's blood somewhere, and I found it just above my right eyebrow. I started waving down a rib for some support, and Sir Russell Coots came over in his sea legs. The spectators were a bit disgusted, but he gave me a few words of encouragement. Oh, that cut isn't that bad, he said. Here's a band-aid for now. You can just keep sailing. Just get back out there and deal with it later. I finished the day with another two bullets, so I was pretty happy with that. As we were heading back to shore, I got followed a follow-up from Sir Russell saying, You should probably get that checked out at A&E. After Sarah Winther helped me get to A&E, I walked out with five stitches above my eye and successfully figured out how to sail the next two days of the Wasp Nationals, despite the objections of doctors. Thanks, Peter. If you want to send in your worst wipeout ever, then write to Michael B at yachtingnz.org.nz. Right, it's time to hear from Glenn Ashby. Enjoy. Well, today we're joined on the show by New Zealand's favourite Australian sailor, Glenn Ashby, who, among other things, is one. I think it last counts 17 world titles in various classes. He claimed silver at the 2008 Beijing Olympics and has been involved in three America's Cup campaigns, most notably skippering Emirates Team New Zealand to victory at the last America's Cup in Bermuda in 2017. He's back again with Team New Zealand this time around as they look to defend the old mug here in 2021. Well, welcome to the show, Glenn, and thanks for making the time to talk to Broadreach Radio.
0: Thanks very much, Michael. Nice to be on board.
1: Well, you managed to go sailing last week. Um, what was that like after six weeks in lockdown? And it, did it make you appreciate what you do even more?
0: <laughs> yeah, look, it, it certainly did. Um, you know, that, that six weeks sort of, you know, felt like a bit of an eternity, I think, for, for probably a, lo- a lot of people. And, um, you know, when you're looking out over the water um, and not, you know, not being allowed to get on it, it sort of it definitely, you know, Raises the enthusiasm to, to get back out there, whether it be on a on a pleasure boat or, or even for work. So um, yeah, to to be able to get back out there for for work, um, you know, was was great, and and we certainly all had some, uh, you know, some some good enthusiasm to get out there. That's for sure.
1: Did you lose crucial time in the program at all in those six weeks?
0: Yeah, look, we, we did. You um, know, obviously from a sort of a design and engineering. Um, you know, perspective. You know, a few of the guys. You know, or, or you know, most of the guys there could sort of work from home, and, and they were all keeping in touch. But but from sort of a, an on-water testing program, and also a you know a physical you know boat-building program, we, we certainly um, you know did lose some some crucial time there. So everyone's working you know hard to to try and recoup some of that time, and certainly from a, a building side and a and a testing and development side, we're. Um, you know, we're needing to uh, to really put the hammer down and try and make up some lost ground for sure.
1: Now, I'd certainly like to explore more of your um, experiences in the America, America's Cup later, but I guess to understand how you've sort of got to this point, I thought it'd be an interesting exercise um, to look back on stages of your sailing career. And for you, it, um, it all started back on a man-made lake in Bendigo, I believe, uh, where you learned to sail. You had some good success as a youngster, winning the under-11 Victorian title in your first regatta on the ocean. What were those early days like for you?
0: Yeah, look, the, um, yeah look growing, growing up as a kid, um, yeah, look, in, in, in central Victoria, um, in, in Bendigo, uh, you know, we, we were bloody lucky, really, as, as kids growing up. We had, um, you know, had some fantastic bush, um, you know, a lot, lot of space to sort of run around in and, and ride bikes and, and that sort of thing. And um, having my mum um, sort of, uh, you know, grow up sailing uh, down in Melbourne, she moved to, to Bendigo with my dad um, in the in the early 70s. And, uh, you know, sort of later in the, in the 70s when I came along, um, you know, they, they joined the, the Bendigo Yacht Club. And yeah, sort of uh, continued sailing there. And for me growing up as a kid with my brother and sister, um, you know, it was a wonderful opportunity to to get out and learn, you know, just mucking around with boats. So um, yeah, with mum sailing and and dad sailing as well then, uh, yeah, it was was really nice to, to sort of, you know, Get out in the water as a as a young kid and, and, and learn, uh, learn a little bit about sailing and certainly by the time I was about you know ten years old I was um, you know, had a real real sort of taste for it and was really enjoying the, the time on the water and you know started to uh, enjoy doing a little bit of racing around the same time and that was really sort of the catalyst if you like to uh, to, to really sort of um, you know get into more competitive uh, sailing.
1: But it wasn't your only love, was it? Because I read somewhere you had to choose almost between sailing and motocross, I think it was, when you were a teenager. How close were you opting, were you for opting to to go with something like motocross?
0: Yeah, look, it was a, you know, it was a sort of a a tough one uh, at at the time. You know, certainly, um, you know, growing up, um, in Bendigo, and and uh, my, my dad was, um, and my mum actually, but but my dad certainly was, you know, in, into motorbike riding, and um, yeah, I'd sort of ridden motorbikes, I, you know, but I raced BMX and then got into motocross, um, you know, when I was sort of about eleven years old, and by the time I was fourteen, um, you know, I was working before and after school myself to to try and pay for for, for my motorbike riding and and my sailing, and. It was it was tough. It sort of got to the point where I had to to really you know pick and choose either either sailing or motocross you know competitively because I, I couldn't do both together. It was just too too cost prohibitive and and time wise was was hard as well. So um, yeah, I was fifty fifty at the time and, and with a little bit of encouragement from from mum and dad you know thinking that I'd probably live a bit longer if I chose sailing, <laughs> um, you know, sailing sailing sort of won, won out in the end. And, um, you know, I still love my motorbike riding t- to this day and do quite a bit of it. But, um, you know, sailing had, had really sort of taken over by then and, you know, I, I really put all my, my eggs in, in, in the sailing basket through my sort of later teens and and, and spent basically every cent that I earned through, through working before and after school and then eventually you know, becoming a, a sailmaker uh, at the age of sixteen, every single cent I earned just just went into my sailing, which was um, yeah, not a lot of money, but it was certainly uh, certainly uh, you know, allowed you to get out in the water and, and focus more heavily on that.
1: So you mentioned that sailmaking, um, which you started as you said at sixteen. How much of a role did that play, and I guess still plays in understanding how to make a boat go fast.
0: Yeah, look, it, it it has played a, a, a huge role, uh, I think, in my life and, and you know, without sale making and then without, you know, having made that decision, um, you know, just after I'd started, you know, year 11 at school you I know, got the offer, um, you know, on a Wednesday uh, to become a, a, an apprentice sailmaker, and basically said to my mates at school on Friday night that I might not be there on, on Monday and, and decided over the weekend that I would become a sailmaker, and, and took it on. So from from that day on, it was a real a real shift in in you know a pathway. I, I wanted to be either a, you know a meteorologist or or a surveyor was sort of the two things that I was sort of angling towards uh, at the time. And um, yeah, to, to really sort of tack it tack over and sort of head for the other side of the course, so to speak, um, was probably the, the most key decision in in my life, in actual fact. And and certainly sail making was a was a a great way to 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 learn about what made boats go fast. And the knowledge and the experience gained in those early years, I think certainly helped me with my competitive sailing. And I think potentially uh, uh, over years to come, you know, potentially gave gave, gave myself and, and other sort of sailing mates uh, and teammates, mates, uh, you know, a bit of an edge over our opponents, um, being able to focus more heavily on, on design and, um, and performance so uh, yeah definitely a a big thing for me and possibly you know it was one of the main reasons why I ended up uh, involved in the America's Cup.
1: So you went overseas actually for the first time as an 18 year old and went on to win the A-Class World Championships at your first attempt as you do Um, but there's an interesting story behind that um, about you and a wager with your boss what happened and I guess how different would have things been for you if you hadn't gone?
0: Yeah, look, that's a bit of a bit of an interesting uh, story. That one. It was, um, I think, it was about yeah, nineteen ninety-five back. I I just. Got on my my first A-class um, catamaran. It was a it was a um, basically a, a boat that had been cut and shut um, as a demo boat to sort of test a, a new shape that um, the company that I was working for was sort of looking at producing in the future. And the boat that I, I managed to buy, um, which was sort of the demo boat, was was very heavy and, and not that not that fair. But it was a, a bit of a test test pig if you like, and managed to get it at a, at a, at a very good price and bought a secondhand rig, um, you know. Put a sail on it and and went to uh, my sort of first A class regatta and my boss at the time had um, we we drove up there together and uh, he he sort of had you know uh, one of the newer boats um, that was produced off that that design and uh, yeah I remember sort of uh, having a yarn to, to Greg saying you know this, this will be pretty good he said well look if you can if you can beat me at this regatta we'll uh, think about you know sending a boat over to the worlds that you could possibly use so. That was a bit of a you know red rag to a bull for me, so um, I, I really tried hard and, uh, and and managed to have a great regatta um, up in New South Wales, and um, yeah, that was really the the catalyst. Uh, you know, Greg came good with his his promise and and Jim Boyer at the time, and they, they sent a, a boat across to, to Europe with a few other boats that customers had ordered, and um, you know went to went to Spain and um, put it all together and and fitted out a few masts for all, all the customers and. Yeah, went down there as absolutely as green as grass, and didn't know anybody or, or, or what to really expect. And um, yeah, just took off in the first race. It was quite a, a windy first race, and um, you know managed to to sort of somehow get to the get to the lead down the first reach, which was we sailed uh, triangular windward return courses then. So um, whereas we just do windward leeward ones now, but. Um, I actually won that first race by over eight minutes. Um, In the end, I I didn't even look back. I just sort of kept sailing, just kept pushing the whole way and it was big waves and quite breezy. um, yeah, it was, it was uh, an amazing feeling when I got back to the beach. Uh, I thought I must have done an extra lap or stuffed up the course because I couldn't see anyone else. But um, it, um, yeah, it was one of those ones. I put a lot of training and effort in back in Australia, sailing in um, you know, big breeze and, and stronger conditions and just sort of pushed my, my boat handling to a level that it had, you know, that it had not been at before and, and that certainly paid, paid dividends. So uh, yeah, suffice to say I, I learnt quite a lot um, on and off the water that, uh, that event.
1: So it was at that point that maybe you realised that you had a future as a sailor.
0: Um, look, it was it was probably more the fact that I just um, you know I'd been able to sort of put my head down and actually achieve something that that I thought potentially was was unachievable at that particular time, and it was really then that I thought, well, crikey, if I if I keep you know not only pushing myself but keep learning. Um, crikeys, what what's what's next? And, and after that, I I really had a taste for for international competition. Um, you know, uh, the Olympics was always just a dream, at, 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 even at that particular time. You, you you would have loved to have, you know, that that was sort of something as a kid that I'd always sort of aspired to do. And um, yeah, I, I, as far as you know, looking at being a professional sailor, absolutely not at, at that particular time. It was all about um, you know being faster and, and how, how I could help design and produce better sales for, for the company that I was working for. So, um, you know, yeah, it, one thing sort of led to another. And I guess looking back at that particular time, you, you had absolutely no idea that your future career and the rest of your life potentially was going to be uh, in, involved in sailing at a professional level.
1: I think you've gone on to win 10 A-Class Worlds now and, and the last one, you beat the young bucks uh, peter Burling and blair chuuk i guess it's always good to keep one on over them
0: uh look it was a fantastic event you know with with those guys we've done a couple of worlds all together now and um you know those those guys are obviously bloody bloody handy handy yotties and handy guys and, and great blokes but um yeah always nice to keep the young boys uh, under control i guess being <laughs> being, being the old uh, old stalwart i guess <laughs>
1: mm. Well, you mentioned the Olympics, and you went to the 2008 Beijing Olympics in the Tornado, and I think you were among the favorites after winning the world title the year before. But you ended up finishing second, and you've said it's something that haunts you every day. Why is that?
0: Yeah, look, it, it's it's been one of those ones. It's been a, a really interesting one. You sort of you, you do talk about you know the Olympics and and the what ifs and the and the what could have been's. And um, at the end of the day, uh, yeah, we, we came away with a silver medal. And as much as you really wanted to have the gold medal, um, it, it didn't happen on the on, on the day. And to be honest, it, it probably hasn't changed anything as far as the direction of where I've gone with my sailing, but what it has done, I think, is after that that period at the Olympics and coming away with a silver medal after being, you know, favourites and being ranked number one for the 18 months previously, um, yada yada, it, it what it has done, I think, or what it did do after that particular time was was really emphasise the fact that you, you wanted to win and it, it gave you the hunger and the passion and the desire I guess to to push yourself further and to really put in the extra effort to to, to win events. And I think from you know from from, uh, from that point on, um, yeah I guess probably mentally the, there was a change in, in, in my attitude towards training and towards what were, the important things in, in life and, and how you manage your time and, um, you know, what were the, the big ticket items for, for performance. And I think that experience of the Olympics and that experience of uh, that whole campaign and then, and then uh, you know, that, that silver medal has, has I think, shaped um, certainly the last decade of, of, of my, my sailing and I think has been a really important um, uh, piece of that puzzle in, in being successful over, over the last sort of few years with, um, you know, in a bigger
1: team environment. Yeah, so that that last decade you talk about is obviously the America's Cup, and uh, you were hired as head coach of Oracle for the 2010 uh, campaign. Did you ever, before that came along, did you see yourself in the America's Cup? Uh,
0: no, no, not 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 at all. Um, really, the focus for my whole sort of sailing. Uh, Career, I guess, and and my own, um, I guess, business at that time. I, I'd started my own um, sailmaking uh, business uh, back in Bendigo in, in Central Victoria, and and was also we were producing uh, boats as well, and so selling sort of complete uh, A-class catamaran packages at that time. And my focus really was, you know, m- making sure that we were as fast as we possibly. Possibly could be on the tornado uh, with my teammate Darren Bundock, and put a huge amount of effort into you know designing and building my own sails to, to use on the boat, um, but also keeping my business going and, and actually you know supplying customers with with sails for various classes, um, you know, and trying to pay off pay off my bills and actually fund my uh, my my sailing and, and, and the Olympic program because um, back then there was certainly no no money flooding around really to uh, to, to you know, pay for the overseas travel and for boats and for for sailing around in Europe and qualifying. So I was, you know, working hard to to, to pay pay bills off and pay for the pay for the loft, pay for the house that um, I'd just built, and and really that was where I was at. As far, the America's Cup really was a byproduct, I think, of the uh, the tornado or the or the multi hull um, being removed from the uh, the London Olympics, and it was a shame having finished. You know, uh, you know, high-level competition in 2008, knowing that, that there was no multi-hull or no catamaran um, going forwards into London, so it was quite a hollow feeling at the end of uh, you know Beijing Olympics, not having sort of a real pathway to, to move forwards to. But I had my business, and I was I was focused heavily there on on growing that, and um, it just so happened that. Uh, there was, um, you know, two teams going to be involved in a deed of gift America's Cup match that both had uh, very, very minimal uh, multi-hull experience, and, and that sort of opened the door, I, I guess, for um, an opportunity to, uh, yeah, do some work with BMW Oracle at the time, and um, you know, with uh, Jimmy Spittle and Russell Coutts, uh had the opportunity to to go and do some coaching, and and ultimately be. Uh, invited back as, as a sailor and sort of coach to, to help the team, um, you know, gain as much knowledge as, as quickly as they could to, uh, to sail that big trimaran as, as best they could and, and also develop it. So, uh, yeah, that's the way it panned out. And, um, you know, sort of less than a year after the finishing the Olympics, we were in, um, you know, we were, we were based in, uh, in Coronado in, uh, in San Diego. So, um, yeah, a, a, pretty, a pretty interesting journey was was about to begin.
1: Yes. Yeah, so what was that experience like? And I, I guess you know, did the boy from Bendigo feel comfortable in that America's Cut world with all the the showbiz and the politics and the money um, that that is associated with it?
0: Yeah. Look, it was certainly a, a huge a huge shock to the system. Um, you know, to be honest, and as much as you sort of at the time you'd sort of you know, keep your head down and, and and just sort of go along with what's going on. You know, the the, the just the sheer size of the of the boat, um, the sheer size of the team, um, the, the engineering, the design aspects, um, and the technology available. Um, you know, to, to develop was was absolutely incredible, and it was a, a, that first sort of you know few weeks, if you like, was just an absolutely you know eye watering. Um, experience as, as to what you know what what money and technology can do in, in the world of yachting and um, yeah I guess once you sort of got your head into that game and, and realized that it was just a it was just another boat um, and you, you had to develop it and you had to work on the performance um, and you could get your head around the, the, the engineering size of things and the loads that the, the boat had to uh, to deal with, once you got your head around that, it was, um, it was actually a really, really amazing experience and to be able to work with, uh, you know, with the, the designers and engineers and, and the yachties um, to, to really push this, this you know, mammoth uh, boat uh, hard and, and to keep developing the performance of that, um, something that at the time had obviously never, ever been done before as well. Um, you know, I got a real sense of satisfaction when when you were making gains, and, and you could you could have input and feedback to um, to a program that um, you know was sort of uh, yeah something that had never been really done before. So extremely exciting, um, very daunting at times, but um, extremely exciting, and certainly gave me a real taste for um, you know for what the America's Cup. Um, was about at the time. It was obviously very different to what the version five um, America's Cups of the past ha- had been over the previous few few Cup cycles. But um, in a way, this, this, this new deed of gift, um, you know, boat on boat um, technological race at the time, it, it, it almost suited me probably more than what the version five um, experience would have been by a long way. So um, it, it might have just been you know, right place, right time at that particular time, and um, yeah, it was uh, still still think back with very fond memories of uh, of, of what was achieved, you know, engineering wise and sailing wise back in uh, in two
1: thousand and ten. Yeah, and and Oracle went on to win that one. So then, how did the gig with Team New Zealand come about for the two thousand and thirteen Cup?
0: Yeah, well, look at the, uh, you know, at um, I guess when uh, you know that following. Uh, campaign the thirty fourth America's Cup was to, to go into um, you know seventy two foot catamarans um, you know that that was and and wing catamarans the, the experience that I'd had previously with um, you know with A class and C class catamarans um, you know it really lent itself to 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 that campaign and I was very very fortunate to to have the opportunity to be um, invited up um, you know to Auckland. Um, I was actually down in Queenstown at the time for for my cousin's uh, 40th birthday. We were having a a few days down there um, snowboarding and um, I don't know how uh, the guys at Team New Zealand found out but I was down there and um, got invited up to to have a meeting and um, I I took that opportunity to to, to fly from Queenstown to Auckland to have a meeting with with Dean Barker and and Grant Dalton and Kevin Shoebridge at the time and um, it was a fairly short meeting. And, um, yeah, about two weeks later, I'd sort of uh, weighed up, you know, weighed up what the future options were and, and you know, a whole lot of family aspects and business aspects, um, you know, sort of thought about it and then thought that, um, you know, I've always had a massive respect for, for Emirates Team Museum with the way they, they tackle things and their, their, their culture and their philosophy. And, and I thought it would be... Um, with my wife Mel you know we thought it would be a, a great opportunity you know to to not be too far away from home but also um, you know work with a team that I think culturally and, and um, you know people wise would possibly suit you know us very well and I think it's been a, a, a wonderful time and I uh, I have absolutely no regrets with um, the decision I made um, you know back in uh, at the I think it was October 2010 to, to join team New Zealand it's been a, a wonderful journey certainly a you know, a rocky road at times, but, um, you know, that's the America's Cup and I think that's um, that's certainly, uh, you know, been a, a part of the journey which I'll, you know, I'll never forget whether you sail for the rest of your life or you don't. It's certainly been an amazing past uh, three campaigns with the team and, um, you know, really looking forward to this next one.
1: Yeah. Well, we're obviously glad that you joined as well, but, um, you know, a lot was has been talked about that 2013 campaign. Obviously, the big one is the famously getting out to the eight one lead over Oracle um, and having that eaten away. Are, are there things that you would do differently in hindsight?
0: Yeah, look, it's always an interesting one to, you know, to talk about, you know, that, that campaign. Um, looking looking back, it's always easy to look back in, in hindsight. And, and, yes, the in hindsight, after our, our review, um, after our debriefs, there would have been things that you would have done differently. And I think the the what came out of that campaign was the fact that we needed to do things differently um, moving forwards into the into the next campaign and that was I think those lessons that we learnt out of the defeat uh, in in San Francisco I think ultimately made us a, a way stronger unit and way stronger team moving forwards and I think without that experience um, you may not have been successful in, in the future. So whilst it was absolutely brutal and, and, you know, just unbelievable how that whole series of events panned out, um, you know, at the same time, the life lessons and the campaign lessons that we all learnt out of that experience, I think has made us all, you know, a lot stronger and I think um, ultimately led to the, uh, to the success uh, in Bermuda after some pretty tough times through the middle of that campaign.
1: Did you feel like you guys showed your hand too early at all with that foiling? Because you were clearly ahead of the pack, and and Oracle did a great job of of guess learning how to sail that boat to get back into their um, into the contest. Um, did you did you show them too much too soon?
0: Yeah, look, it's always a hard one to hard one to know. Um, you could argue possibly. Um, you could also argue that uh, you know that that we had. Massive amounts to learn, and we we're only scratching the surface. You know, when we started, um, you know, foiling ourselves on on the AC seventy two. So, um, yeah, look, hindsight's always a wonderful thing, but um, there wouldn't have needed to be much of a change at all um, in that in that series to you know be at a, at a totally different outcome. Um, so. Yeah, it's it's it's. I think you know putting that event down um, as a as a fantastic learning experience. You know, I think ultimately made the success in Bermuda. You know, taste all that much better. So um, things happen for a reason. I'm I'm a
1: big believer of that. Mm, but there was very nearly wasn't that next campaign in Bermuda, wasn't there? And the, and you've said that period of 2014 and 15 was the worst in your life. Why was that?
0: Yeah. Look, it was a it was a. You know, a, a massively tough scenario through the, that sort of you know middle part of, of that campaign, where you know we went from you know a, a, an AC sixty to catamaran to to an AC fifty. Um, you know, we New Zealand was going to have um, you know have have some events down here that 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 sort of you know ultimately didn't happen. A lot of changes sort of happened through the, the middle period there, and um, yeah, when when you know the wheels really started falling off there through through the middle, um, you know, it was it was massively tough. And to to sort of lose a lot of your your mates um, and your work colleagues who you'd worked sort of tirelessly with you know over the years to 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 be in that unfortunate um, situation where you know we were all working really, really hard to to, to keep going together. Um, to have that sort of start falling apart around you was 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 really really tough and, and, and not easy and, and not easy for everybody involved it was it was a, an intense time and um, you know probably one of the toughest periods of, uh, of, of my life let alone my, my sailing career and working career and um, you know to, to, to slowly rebuild from sort of almost the ashes if you like um, was was really really difficult and to to ultimately sort of come from absolute rock bottom right the way through um and then then to win the thing you know last campaign was 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 an unbelievable turnaround um much more than i think you know anyone would ever ever know and um you know it's a it's a feeling still to this day of, of sort of almost um you know disbelief, but also just immense satisfaction that that something that was in in such dire trouble um, in the campaign, the the team that is, to be able to rebuild and and, and the people that that, that remained and, and could rebuild from that core group um you know to, to come through and ultimately have a, a winning team in a winning boat pushing technology and, and boundaries to levels that had never been seen before um you know it, it's you feel really proud to, to be part of that and, and i think it's something very special that, that for those involved will will be with them for the for the rest of their lives
1: do you think that's one of the qualities that has, has made you that much uh... Uh, such a special group because you have things haven't come easily. You haven't just got a sugar daddy with squillions of dollars to to give you every sort of opportunity. Um, so is that one of the best qualities, I guess, about Team New Zealand?
0: I, I think it is, and I, and I think it's you know nothing is handed to you on a on a silver tray. Uh, you you have to work bloody hard to get things done and to, to, to run the campaign. And, and you know, management do a, an exceptionally good job and have done um, for, for a long, long time so since I've been involved in, in keeping the team rolling. We are different to, to the other teams. Um, there's absolutely no question, but I, I think we use that as a strength. Um, and it's not a weakness, it's, it's a strength. And that's something that I think culturally and that's that's ingrained with within the people that work here. For sure, you could go elsewhere and be doing different jobs, you know, both in corporate and in sport to, to to earn more money or to 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 have other opportunities. But it's not about that. It's about achieving something special. It's about achieving something collectively as a group that that you know money can't buy. It's something that that is sort of earned and created by the people that work here. And, um, you know, I think there's that that sort of aura, if you like, of, of you know, people, people want to work here because of the feeling that you get, um, you know, of being able to push boundaries, to be open-minded and also, you know, compete at the absolute highest level of, of, of not only sailing, but but international sport. And, um, you know, we can, covering engineering design every department is is really sort of you know the best of the best in, in what they do so um, you know it's a, it's a it's a special group and i think um, you know something that you know really i think probably does stand us apart from uh, from a lot of other teams involved in in the Americas Cup
1: what did you honestly think though when you put bikes on boats and then someone gave you an xbox controller did it did it feel like still you were still sailing
0: <laughs> well we're, we're either going to look Bloody stupid, or or really clever. There was there was sort of no, <laughs> going to be no no middle ground because if, if if you were unsuccessful, you, you you'd, you'd have the shit bagged out of you. Uh, but if you were successful, you were going to be absolute legends and 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 be praised for for being innovative and 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 pushing the boundaries. So there was really no middle ground. You know, we we believed in in what we were doing. Um, we believed uh, and knew that we had to push boundaries that had never been pushed before if, if we as a group were to be successful from coming you know, from so far behind the other, other teams you know, as a really small group. And in a way, you know, that small group that we were through that, that previous campaign um, heading up to Bermuda, you know, the decision-making processes, the efficiencies... Um, although we didn't have really any, any money and couldn't necessarily get on the water um, anywhere near as early as we would have liked to test, um, the meetings that we had and, and the philosophies and the direction that we had that everybody had bought into and everybody bought into that coming into the team um, almost allowed an easier you know, pathway to push boundaries and limits that had never been done before. And, you know, I think the, the, the ease in which we accepted that, that, that bikes were, were gonna be the way forward to provide power and the ease of which, um, you know, we accepted to control, you know, the jib and all the wing functions or the whole aero package from, a, from, a, from an Xbox controller rather than hanging onto a rope and, and, and have a winch. You know, the, all those decisions became almost easier because we, we just knew that we had to push massively hard to even have a chance of being successful over there. So when all our design philosophies ended up coming together in, in one package, um, you know, we were just extremely fortunate that, that, you know, 99% of those philosophies and ideas were, uh, were right and, and we managed to, to definitely outthink our opponents, um, and, and certainly not outspend them. So that was a was a wonderful feeling.
1: Were you surprised then that other teams didn't copy you that much? Yeah, look, I think certainly on the biking
0: front, you know, we were we were surprised that that the teams um, you know didn't ultimately go down that path. We knew. You know, there would have been a lot of resistance from a lot of sailing teams um, to go down that path. Um, you know, we've heard a lot of stories that every, you know, we knew that everybody had obviously thought about it, but you know, it, it's a difficult problem to solve. And you know, you're, you're not riding your bike down the road where you know you can, you can, you know, get your pedals over top and bottom dead center easy, easily. Um, you know, you're pushing a, a hydraulic pump, which is like you know riding through, riding through soup. So you know, there's a lot of um, you know uh, things that were difficult about you know making biking work on the boat, and, and that took us a long time of testing, you know, indoors um, to to solve those problems. But we had a, a team of guys, um, you know, particularly on the grinding front at the time, that were all believers that if we could make this work, um, you know, we were going to see up to sort of a, you know a forty or even fifty or sixty percent increase in in peak performance and peak peak outputs. Um, and sustained, um, you know, energy for, for for the period of the race. So, you know, we, we, we pushed hard and, and we took that on. And by being able to have, you know, uh, more power, it meant that we could largely go into a you know 100% hydraulic. You know, hydraulically powered boat, which meant that you could, um, you know, use a, a, an Xbox controller to control all the, the wing functions hydraulically, and it mean it meant that you could, you know, tack and jibe and sail the boat from the leeward side or the windward side, um, and hand over to control to uh, anyone at any. Place on the yacht, so it allowed us to, um, you know, do no look maneuvers and, uh, you know, sail the boat sitting on the leeward side of the yacht. You'd press a button and the controller, you know, would sense that you're on the leeward side and you could trim, you know, sitting on the leeward side of the boat, which you couldn't do with a winch. For example, you had to go across and load the winch and hang onto the to the sheet. So. Lots of innovative things, and they're the only two things that sort of get talked about mostly. But um, there would have been a hundred other things on the boat or more that were different to our opponents, which all added together to uh, to give us a, a slight advantage, and and ultimately that that helped us um, sail the boat around the track just that little bit quicker than the uh, the than the than the other guys uh,
1: come come race time. Yeah, it was certainly pretty spectacular and uh, great from uh, a New Zealand sailing perspective, and. Um, You obviously received a a New Zealand honour for services to sailing. And um, I'm not sure if you're aware, but there was also a petition uh, of people calling to make you a New Zealand citizen. Um, I actually had a look at that yesterday and there were five supporters. (laughs) (laughs) But, but, you know, what what was it like for an Aussie to be kind of adopted so so readily by New Zealand?
0: Yeah, look, Michael, you know, Extremely humbling um, would be my response to, to that. You know, it's, um, New Zealand's been a, a massive part of, of our lives. Um, you know, we've been here for for, for you know just yeah, coming on ten years now, and having our, our um, youngest daughter you know born here, and, uh, and and our eldest daughter you know spent probably seventy percent of her life she's 11 and, and she's um, she would she's you know our girls are, are Kiwi girls and and um, we love it here we, we really do you know as much as Australia as will always be you know our home and where, where you grew up and we have family there New Zealand is our second home and um, no it look it's extremely satisfying to uh, uh, and a nice feeling to, to, to be welcomed and um, you know and and you know I guess recognized for being part of of um, you know, a, a fantastic team here at Emirates Team New Zealand. And um, yeah, no, very, very humbled indeed.
1: You talked afterwards, after that um, Bermuda campaign, about wanting a boat that was cutting edge for the next campaign, but also something that was um, a little more traditional, something more boat than plane. Do you feel like you've achieved it with uh, AC75?
0: Um, yeah, look, I, I absolutely I do. I, I think you know, it's it's always a balance. Um, at the time, there was a lot of sort of options that you could have, have taken. But, um, you know, I think the philosophy has been proven to be, you know, absolutely awesome. I think, you know, at, at rest, um, you know, the boats are, are beautiful. Um, they're sleek, um, very majestic. Um, but, you know, in anger, they're, they're beasts. And, um, you know, I think being able to tick, tick all the boxes, you know, with both performance, cutting edge um, sort of speeds and technology, but also, um, you know, in a monohull sense, um, you know, with with the rig development that we've done and that sort of thing, I think is, um, you know, and manoeuvrability. I think the match racing side of things will be absolutely exceptional. And I I think, um, you know, I think the whole team uh, has done an exceptional job there and I, I think along with, um, you know, uh, the challenger of record, I think that's, um, you know, look, time will tell uh, when, we, when we eventually get to go racing, how good it will be. But, but from, from everything that we've seen so far, it's going to be absolutely exceptionally sensational. I think that's something that, that we all can be uh, very, very uh, pleased with and uh, very proud of being able to come up with a concept that's, um, you know, absolutely out of the box and, and, and going to push the boundaries to where they've never been seen before.
1: I just want to take you back to that day that you took uh, your seventy-five outfit its first sail, um, and then discovered that it actually worked. What was that like? <laughs> um,
0: yeah, look, it was uh, you know extremely exciting. I think for, for everybody involved to 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 get you know the the big boat on the water. Um, obviously, we'd seen you know some of the the other teams with their smaller boats on the water, and almost sort of the proof of concept was was there that it was sort of you know that it was you know looking like it was. Going pretty pretty bloody well, and certainly exciting for us to get on the water on the big boat. Um, very satisfying at the same time, but but also daunting. Um, you know, at how fast. Um, There's the small snippets that we got on those first couple of days of of how fast potentially these you know seventy five foot monohulls were going to be capable of going, um, and the loads that they were producing was 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 pretty phenomenal. So it was um, yeah a, a very know big mixture of emotions but um yeah the underlying one was was probably excitement and anticipation of uh you know of of things to come
1: you've you've also talked about I guess, the prospect of capsizing during racing and we've seen some footage of a couple of particular particularly uh, spectacular crashes from teams so does that mean that you practice capsizing as a team
0: uh, we haven't practiced uh, capsizing, but we have capsized in practice. <laughs> I guess, um, yeah. Look, it's a it's a it's a real possibility, and you know we, we have rolled the big boat over, and you know that was a, a genuine mistake, and, and you know something that we, we've learned from. Um, the boats are able to capsize, and I think to to ultimately get the performance out of out of what we're doing. Um, you know, we don't have a 20 tonne lead bulb, you know, keeping the boat from rolling over. It's, um, you know, there, there is a re- real possibility like, like you can on a dinghy, um, you know, or a high performance uh, small boat, you know, roll the thing over if you make a mistake. And, you know, we've seen that through, through you know, some of the, the learning experiences, shall we say, of, of, of all the teams and, you know, in, in any High performance class, or, or in any yacht, in actual fact, you have to learn how far you can push, and you know those learning experiences are often you know encountered um, whilst in training and whilst in practice. And I'll, I'll argue that that would be very very similar for um, you know um, testing in motorsports or, or even in in other 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 sports where you know you have to learn how far you can go. Um, And so when you come to a racing environment, you appreciate where that edge is and, and you can push up to that edge comfortably and confidently um, as a team um, knowing knowing how far you can go so yeah look it's um it could happen in, in a racing environment and probably you know when two boats actually go head to head and are pushing each other hard um, in different situations there's a real chance of of a capsize but i think that's also um, you know part of the excitement and part of the interest that uh, you don't want to be that one that, that does capsize so uh, going to be interesting what we see down the track
1: another thing that we've we've noticed is that the the differences between the boats are quite stark, which I don't know, it seems surprising given that the design rules are quite strict. Are you are you surprised?
0: Um, yes and no. Like it's um I think one of the beauties about the design rule is that that there is, you know, some opportunity for development and, and openness and, and interpretation. And I think the you know the America's Cup has always been been great because it, it's very much been a you know a design competition. Um it is a sailing competition but, but ultimately it is a design competition as much as anything else and i think what we've seen um with these early early designs and early boats is is you know a fantastic um spread if you like of um you know massive innovation and i think there's there's you know each boat that's been launched has has fantastic attributes and and i think everyone will learn what's What's good, bad, and 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 ugly over over the next sort of um, few months, and the fact that we unfortunately haven't been able to line up against each other uh, yet, almost adds to the intri- intrigue as to what is coming up in the future. So, um, yeah, we, we're we're sort of you know it, it, there's a lot of unknown, and I think that that sort of almost creates a, an air of excitement and. Um, you know, it keeps it really interesting. And I think it will be interesting, you know, right the way through until we all ultimately line up here um, in Auckland, um, you know, in the, in the coming months to actually see whether you've, you know, as a team and as a group, um, ultimately you've made, made the right decisions, you know, in the previous months and in the previous years throughout this campaign. So, it, it, you know, exciting times coming up for sure.
1: Do you have any sense then of how your package stacks up?
0: Not yet. No, no, we don't. Like it's, um, you know, we 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 know that there's, you know, massive areas of, of improvement that, that we can undertake and, and we've addressed those and, and we're working towards those improvements. And, you know, we've learnt a lot in, in the past few months of, of on-water testing, but also, you know, just in studying the, the problem that we have at hand. And, and I think I'd be speaking there for, for all the teams in all departments, you know, the, the rate of knowledge, if you like, and that you know that steepness of the of the design curve is, is is immense, particularly, you know, in 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 new new development classes. And and while some areas of the of the class are you know fairly heavily re- restricted, there is still, you know, in in the important areas, um, still very very much opportunity for for, for development and gains. So, I think all the all the um, you know, all the teams will be obviously working hard on, on what they think is the the, the, the big ticket priority items for ultimate performance and you know you can't do everything as well as you would like and you have to pick and choose and um you know hopefully as a team you know we've we've made the right decisions but 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 only time will tell and and time's something that you know we're very quickly running out of and and that's um you know becoming apparent with with how quickly things have have, have, you know happened in the last um you know few weeks few months you know you you don't know what's around the corner and um, you've got to be on your toes and be able to adapt and I think um you know, what we've seen recently with uh, with, with COVID nineteen is, is, you know, another example of just being able to be agile, um, stay on your toes and, and be able to, you know, focus on what the priorities are, not only to um, you know to to, to, to to stay alive as a as a as a as a team, but also, you know, what the priorities are, you know, given a limited time frame that you have before you have a, a competition time.
1: But you do get a, a, another chance at building a boat and I think um, construction may have even started on that second one. So will it be much different to what we've seen in your first?
0: Um, look in, in many ways it's it's different but in many ways it's the same. Um, you know it, it's it's a development you know of, of uh, you know of our boat one um but ultimately it's got to do the same the same job so um yeah it, it will it will look a little bit different but in in many ways it'll look very much the same so um yeah it'll be really interesting to see you know what all the teams come up with you know in their in their second generation if, if you like and um you know for sure all the teams you know that you know we've all learnt um a lot and, and there's a lot of clever people working on 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 the issues that we have, and, and working on making the boats faster and, and you know more easily sailed um, to get through a bigger range of conditions well, and, and it's 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 a super exciting period that we're in right now, and I think you know we're not that far away from um, you know really seeing um, all the teams you know come out with their their race fruit if you like, and that's um, that's a really exciting time. So very much looking forward to to, to getting on the water you know, over the next few months again and, um, you know, pushing to a level where we're actually, you know, we're looking at getting off the start line, not just out there testing.
1: Yeah, well, it's been a a fascinating uh, account of your sailing career. Um, But before I let you go, um, something we ask of all the guests is um, the worst wipeout ever. Um, So Glenn Ashby, what has been your worst wipeout?
0: Oh, uh, good. Good question. Had uh, had plenty. Had uh, plenty of good ones. Probably had some of the best ones have probably been not on a not on a boat. To be fair, but <laughs> but um, I guess yachting, yachting wipeouts um, would probably have to have been at a at a um, Hires regatta over in France. I think um, probably in two thousand and six or 2007 on the tornado um, where we got a bit of a squall came through and was um, sailing downwind um, with the Jenica up just coming into the into the bottom gate just a little bit over overcooked as the wind shifted a little bit in probably sort of 25, 26 knots and quite big seaway um, I was actually trialling a uh, restraining, line at that particular time that was basically a bridle that would come uh, from the back beam um, also and also from the rudder gudgeon which you'd hook onto your uh, trapeze harness that would basically lock you into the back corner of the boat on trapeze and um, crewing, holding the Jenica sheet. I remember um, Saying to Darren, you know, we've got a got a little bit on here, getting down to the or getting up to the gate. At the time, we were just a, a little bit overlaid, and um, you know, we, we went down a wave um, and basically stuck stuck the boat in. And um, I remember going basically round and round with the boat, still hooked on, um, cartwheeling down through below the gate about six or seven times, still hooked on, going sort of into the water and then out of the water and then into the water and out of the water, just watching the rig rotating around as I was sort of trying to gather myself. And um, when we finally stopped, I was sort of hanging upside down um, from the windward side, still hooked on. And uh, suffice to say, um, yeah, I did... (laughs) I didn't sail the rest of the regatta uh we were we were pretty done after that and so that for me was probably the um the worst wipeout and um that was the last time i used the restraining line on the tornado
1: <laughs> so what 9.5 for artistic compression and uh, 10 for um technical merit
0: yeah <laughs> yeah look when it worked it, it worked well it'd stop you on a, on a on a standard sort of uh nosedive slow down situation but um one where you, you absolutely went over the handlebars and got blown down the race course. You, you wanted to hit the eject button, but uh, you were clipped on. So, um, yeah, you know, good lessons. Good lessons learned.
1: Definitely. Well, yeah, thanks again. I really appreciate your time, obviously, at this busy time as you guys um, get up and running again after your, your six-week lockdown period. Um, I think I speak for a lot of people when we say we look out to the harbour and see if... Um, you guys are out training, and there's a sort of a sense of excitement every time we we see the boat out. So, um, yeah, we're looking forward to the next uh, period, uh, what that may hold. We'll, we'll find out, obviously, but certainly, um, you know, if, if the America's Cup rolls around as on time, it's just going to be amazing to see these boats in action. So, um, best of luck. Uh, hope it works out well, and we'll um, look forward to speaking with you again at some stage.
0: Thanks very much, Michael. Great, uh, great chatting to you.
1: Well, that's it for another episode of Broad Reach Radio. Thanks for listening. If you've got feedback, suggestions on who you'd like to hear from, or want to tell us your story of your worst wipeout ever, then write to Michael B at yachtingnz.org.nz. Otherwise, we'll catch you next Friday when we'll I talk to another Kiwi yachty making waves in the sport. Take care.